Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Colts, and the Occult, number 14. Deborah. Yeah, give it up to Deborah. That's awesome. That was kind of like a dramatic pause. It got everybody's adrenaline going. It got mine going, I'll tell you what. But that's right. Witchcraft and the rise of Wicked Part 14. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. And then by way of recap, we've already covered a lot because it's number 14 for those of you hooked on math. We've already dealt with the definition, the types, the location, the protection. What is it? Always got to put that on there, Jesus, hello. And then for the longest time, it seems, man, we've been in the history of witchcraft. And we saw that uh, it's, man, it's all over the world as we've been seeing, uh, as we journeyed all over the place. And witchcraft is nothing new under the sun. It's been the old-fashioned rebellion at the Tower of Babylon. And from Babylon, it went to Egypt, Greece, Rome, Asia, India, the island countries, Africa, Latin America, Europe. And Europe is where we saw that uh, it got renamed and repackaged to this thing called Wicca. And that's what we're dealing with today. It's just old-fashioned witchcraft. been around for a long time. They just repackaged it. So then we took a look at the history of Wicca. And what we saw is, boy, being to trace the trail all the way even over here from Europe to America, we saw it started with this lady, basically, Wicca, the grandmother of Wicca. That would be Margaret Murray. Then it moved to this guy, Gerald Gardner, the grandfather of Wicca. Then it went to Doreen Valiente, the mother of Wicca. Then it goes to this guy, Raymond Buckland, the father of American Wicca on the East Coast. And then it went to this lady, Sybil Leake. She popularized witchcraft in America. She's on the West Coast in L.A. And she's mixing and mingling with the celebrities and politicians and things of that nature. And we're still dealing with that today, unfortunately. And then we saw Alexander Sanders was another big one, so-called king of the witches. And then still alive, still promoting, believe it or not today, 80-some years old, is this lady, Lori Cabot. Okay? And not only promoting it today, but as the official witch of Salem. Uh, and, uh, and unfortunately still uh, involved politically in getting any restraints removed and getting Wicca accepted witchcraft all across the United States. Okay, Then we saw last time it went to this, Dianic Wicca, another way that this is being promoted today. Uh, and it's basically feminism. As we saw, basically synonymous. The feminist movement is started, we trace the trail, straight out of witchcraft. Okay, In fact, the big one that really got it going was this witch, and that she was a witch, uh, a generational witch, Susanna Budapest, or Z Budapest, as she's known. She's basically considered the founder of Dianic Wicca, which, again, what's the difference? As we'll see tonight, most Wiccans have a, uh, a dual worship, the mother goddess and the male horn god, okay? Uh, but Dianic Wicca is what? Just the female, right? And that's where the feminist aspect comes in. It's all just about get rid of those men, right? And of course, she promotes that through all kinds of books and media and stuff. And again, she's still alive today, still doing this, unfortunately. And of course, we saw that this push to switch from a male patriarchal God to a mother goddess worship sure fits in line with uh, the last days, uh, Revelation 17. And we talked about the female goddess worship. And a lot of people are lined up for that already. We saw Catholicism already worships a female, i.e. Mary. Uh, even the Eastern religions uh, worship a female aspect. We also saw New Age environmentalism worship Mother Earth, Mother Gaia, uh, things of that nature. Even we saw the European Union, which many people believe that the Antichrist comes out of, a revived Roman Empire. They've already chosen uh, their symbols in statues and coins and magazine. And what is it? A woman that rides the beast, as we saw last time. Very, it's almost like somebody's following a script. Now, because of that, it's being uh, promoted even in the church, with the apostate church, where so-called Christians in the church today are wanting to, quote, castrate Christianity, i.e., get rid of that male savior, 
okay, is their words. And this is being promoted in so-called churches today. So they're right to fall for that lie as well, okay? And of course, it's led to what's being called in the secular media, the season of the witch. Notice it's not the season of the Christian, the season of God's truth, the season of Christian revival. It's what's happening. It's the season of witchcraft, man, is taking over our country, and you wonder why we're doing our study. Now we're going to take a look at the beliefs and the practices of Wicca, okay? And once again, as always, before we get into that, let's see if somehow, some way, maybe you guys can join me in fasting and prayer and going to those fasting and prayer conferences with meals included because we've got to get this figured out. If only we could somehow find at least one verse in the Bible that warns us against witchcraft. If, could we... Yeah, it's all over the place, and I'm being sarcastic. Okay, once again, yet another text saying, get away from this stuff. Jeremiah 27. Let's take a look there. Jeremiah 27 is our opening text. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Now, if you recall last time, we dealt with God tells us in the Scripture, why did Israel, the ten northern tribes, and Judah, and Benjamin, the two southern tribes, why did both of them go into exile? Why did they lose their nation? Okay, and he clearly saw last time in our text, it was what? Witchcraft, sorcery, divination. That's it. They, they, got, they, they tried to blend that into their so-called worship with God. Okay, now we're going to see this is after, uh, it's during the Babylonian exile, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and you're going to see he'll get judged too. God always has the last word. Anybody gets out of line, uh, your day's coming. Okay, and, but what we're going to see is now the secular nations, God has a word for them around uh, Jerusalem at that time that, uh, listen, I have installed Nebuchadnezzar to rule at this time. I'm the one that's doing this, spanking Israel and, and Judah for their disobedience to get involved in witchcraft. Uh, but he tells even the secular communities, I'm telling you, you guys need to listen to this Nebuchadnezzar guy, okay, and stop listening to the people who are lying to you, saying, oh no, you don't know. And can you guess who the people are lying to? Him? The witchcraft. Okay, even the secular nations, right? But let's take a look. That's their context. It says this, Early in the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord said to me. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck and send the word to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, and Sidon through the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Give them a message for their masters and say, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Tell this to your masters. With my great power, God says, an outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals are on it. And I give it to anyone I please. Right? And uh, now I will hand all your countries over to who? My servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until the time for what? His land comes, then many nations and great kings will subjugate him. So his day is coming as two. Now, if however any nation or kingdom will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, or bow its neck under its yoke, I will punish that nation with the sword, famine, and plague, declares the Lord, until I destroy it by his hand. So do not what? Don't listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers who tell you what? You will not serve the king of Babylon. They what? They prophesy lies to you that you will only uh, serve to re- that will only serve to remove you from your lands. I will banish you, and you will perish. So once again, even the secular countries, after the exile, why'd they go into exile? Because they got involved in witchcraft. But now God says to the secular ones around, hey, listen, you need to do what I tell you. Follow this guy and don't listen to these people involved in witchcraft. Because again, what is the carbon copy of witchcraft? When they speak, they tell what? 
lies. That's why God, back in Deuteronomy, also says, uh, don't follow these ways. Don't, don't, don't. He doesn't want you involved in witchcraft because it's demonic. And what do demons do? They lie, they deceive. God doesn't want you led astray. And so he's even warning these secular people, don't listen to these people because here's what I say, God, follow it, you'll be fine. But don't listen to these liars who are going to say the exact opposite of what I say and it leads to your destruction. Now, do you think God would have the same warning for people today who listen to witchcraft, diviners, divination, sorcery, and that stuff that is promoting the exact opposite of what God says? Do you think it's going to lead to their well-being or to their destruction? It's the same thing. Okay, and that's what we're going to see now moving on to the beliefs and practices of Wicca. Because, shocker, it's the opposite of what God says. Life is all about who he is and how you're supposed to live your life. Okay, now, as we get into the beliefs, okay, uh, first of all, and we get into the beliefs, uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to codify uh, the beliefs of Wicca. And the reason why, as we saw before, and we'll see again tonight, uh, Lord willing, is it's, it's eclectic. And what I mean by that is it's basically up to the individual. You know, they'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever. And so it's kind of hard to get a, a true consensus, right? Uh, you and I would say that an evangelical Christian, because we have one source of truth, i.e. the Bible, they would say, hey, we all believe in the virgin birth. We all believe in the deity, humanity of Jesus Christ. We all believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We all believe in sola scriptura, the Bible alone, for a rule of faith and practice. Right? And, and that's, that's what makes Christianity. Hard to do with Wicca, because again, there's so many things. But So what I'm going to try to do tonight is, is get most of the prevailing beliefs that most Wiccans would say, oh yeah, yeah, that's one of our core beliefs, okay? So, and I say that because the moment you start saying, well, this is what they believe, invariably, you might have a certain coven out there. Oh, that's not what we believe. (laughs) So I just say that in case somebody goes, oh, that's not exactly what we, we have a little different spin on it. And they might. So that's part of the challenge when you're trying to define uh, Wiccan. And part of it is because, again, their belief system is based, it's not just eclectic, it's eclectic because we'll see tonight, it's based on relativism. Whatever you believe is true to you, and whatever I believe is true to me. And just because your truth counteracts my truth doesn't mean nothing. And that's really how they approach their deriving their witchcraft and occult practices. Okay, as well. And we're going to see that again tonight. But basically, that mentality started, shocker, back in Genesis chapter 3. And what did Satan tempt Eve with? Don't listen to God. Did, and he got her to doubt, right? Did God really say, well, yeah, he said that. But he got her to doubt. Then he got her to say, well, look, it's good for you. Pleasing to the eye and flesh, pride of life. Woo-hoo, look at you. It's all about you. And then bang, he dropped the bomb on her. Don't do what God says. Do what I say. Do your own thing. Rebel against God and you can be like God. You can decide what's good and evil, right? Relativism started right here. Relativism today basically is the belief system that is from a one-time event now becomes a way of life. So when you see people living that, they're living as a way of life. What caused the fall of man? Now, Wicca, witchcraft, that's their basis. They make it up as they go, right? But again, so let's see if we can get into some generalities uh, even though they're all over the place, okay? With that said, Wiccans do not view their religion as a necessarily a reversal or even, they would say, even a reaction to Christianity. And we blew this out of the water earlier in our study. They would say, oh, no, we are pre-Christian. Now, is that true? 
No, it's not. Because we saw in our history study, uh, where did they start? You started after the Tower of Babel, right? But you still had the whole Genesis account way before that. So the biblical account starts way before you do. So nice try. It doesn't work. But that's what they believe. Okay, we're dealing with their beliefs. Okay, and uh, contemporary witchcraft is diverse. It's eclectic. It's extremely difficult to identify and define, uh, and it's almost impossible to state verbatim that here is exactly what witches and all Wiccans believe. Because again, no sooner will that be uttered than somebody speaks up, says, "Well, that's not what we believe. It's not exactly right," and then it goes downhill from there. But let me again share some commonalities. Okay, most Wiccans believe in what's called the creed of no creed. And you're thinking, well, what's that? Well, basically, it's the creed that we derive truth by experience. Experience is everything with them. And that it's based on their experience is what they decide is true. So the creed of no creed is, in other words, we don't follow no dogma. We just do what our experience tells us to do or what we feel in our experience. And experience rules the day. Experience is what guides us in our path and determines all truth and reality. Now, do you know anybody else that does that in the church? Rhymes with charismatics. And you wonder why they're starting to slide straight into witchcraft, which we'll see tonight. Because your whole basis of operation is exactly the same as witchcraft. It's all about experience. In fact, they codify it with even the same kind of words that their experience is based on getting into an altered, this is witchcraft, folks, altered state of consciousness, and it's expressed as a mystical experience, as a oneness with everything. And isn't that what you hear out of the verbiage with the charismatics? It's all about experience. We don't need no Bible. In fact, what do they say about the Bible? That's dogma. We don't need Bible. That's dogma. We don't need no truth. We're just going to let the Spirit of God tell us what it is. Our experience is going to dictate. It's the same thing as witchcraft. And, and you wonder why you merge so perfectly well together? Because you've got the same exact belief system, okay? Now, this has led to another belief that they have. Wiccans believe it's all about experience, right? Is the second one. It's all about tolerance. Now, isn't that a buzz phrase today? Now, you and I... Uh, would say the old, uh, what I would say there, the old-fashioned example uh, uh, in definition of tolerance is to, to put up with a belief system that we didn't necessarily agree with. Well, there's a new definition of tolerance, and that is you have to uh, promote and uh, uh, accept from the heart everybody's belief system as equal to your own. Now, so when you see tolerance in the media, in the school systems, that's what they mean. You and I thinking, oh, I'm just got to put up, you know, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Today, that's one of the most bigoted statements you can make today. Because they say, no, you have to accept everybody's belief, everybody's lifestyle. And that's ridiculous. We'll get to that in a second. But that's what they mean. That's the core of Wicca and witchcraft. They accept anything. Anything goes. Anyone. Whoever you are. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what your sexuality is. Doesn't matter what your preference is. Doesn't matter. And you can just make it up as you go. Come on. But you're going to see that even though they say that, and they say that tolerance is, listen, it is essential to a witch's spiritual growth and maturation, but uh, they have to be independent, autonomous, and have to have the freedom to believe, think, and act as one desires, and they defend that as if it were a divine right. So this is their big core thing, right? It's all about experience. It's tolerance. You have no right to tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to do. I can believe whatever I want to do. I can have whatever practices I want, and you have no right to do that. 
Now, just like the other people in our society today who are hypocrites when they promote this tolerant thing, okay, witches do the same thing, okay? Those with the new definition of tolerance don't even follow it. And I quote, witches do become intolerant, though, in other faiths, which they call religious imperialism. And I quote, this is number 10 of the Council of American Witches Principles of Wiccan Belief, quote, our only animosity towards Christianity is to the extent that its institutions have claimed to be the only way. I didn't claim to be the only way. Jesus did. John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. I didn't do that. He did. I'm just reporting the news. But again, well, wait a second. Your whole premise and basis of life is you've got to accept anyone. You can't tell anyone, me, anybody, what to do, what to believe, and you just have to all from the heart accept that. Well, then why do you have your words, not mine, animosity towards me? You know what that's called? In the South. Hypocrite. That's right, Pastor Bummy. Hypocrite. That's hypocritical, excuse me. And that's our world today, right? People say, oh, you've got to tolerate my lifestyle. You've got to tolerate this. And then, okay, then how come you don't reciprocate that to me? If you really believe that, why do you have animosity to me? Let me believe what I wanted to believe as a Christian. But they don't even live up to it. It's the same thing with witchcraft, folks. Okay, this, this aspect of tolerance. These belief systems stem from, again, what's called relativism. That there is no right, there is no wrong. In all areas of life, including ethics, everything. Truth is what's true for you. Right is what's right for you. Uh, but neither are necessarily so for, for me. And quote, the only absolute is that there are no absolutes. The moment you say there are no absolutes, you just made a absolute statement. You can't get away from it. As we talked before, I don't have time to get into this, but in our other studies, we've blown this whole theory away because it's not just hypocritical and you don't even live it. Those who say you do, that's based on relativism, this tolerance, new definition. Uh, but it's, it's ridiculous, right? If, if I get to determine truth and there is no right and wrong and you can't tell me any difference, if, does that work in math? Two plus two in my world, Jim, it's five. It's five. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what you believe. And you from the heart have to accept my math equation. Now, if you put that even in secular school on the answer test, what do you get? Rhymes with F every single time. You're being judgmental. You're a math bigot. Because that's what I believe in my world. See, it's ridiculous. We don't do that. In uh, science, you know what? I'm going to, my next trip, when I, you know, going to speaking somewhere, whatever, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump out of the plane without a parachute because I believe that I can fly. <laughs> Haven't you guys heard that song? I believe I can fly. <laughs> now, if I did that, if I did that, okay, uh, what would happen? There's a scientific law that is absolute called gravity and I will find out really fast. I can believe all I want, I can fly, I can fly my arms, but I will be road pizza, <laughs> Right? You guys are, you're, you're science bigots. That's what you are. You're intolerant to my belief. <laughs> and on and on it goes. So it's ridiculous. We don't rely. And can you imagine if somebody used relativistic math to build an airplane? Would you get on that airplane? I wouldn't get on an airplane. So then when it comes to spiritual matters, why do you think it all of a sudden works? When it comes to moral matters, why do you think it works? But see, you don't even follow it yourself because you're really bigoted to me. 
on your own definition. Witchcraft does the same thing, right? Uh, and, and obviously it doesn't satisfy us, but that's what they say. They will practice what they, quote, will. Now, with that basis, okay, they've got their so-called experience, it's tolerance, relativism. That's when they develop what's called their ethics, okay? So out of their ethics, of that belief system, shocker, witches do not believe in the concept of, guess what? Sin. Well, of course not, Right? Because in their world, there is no such thing as sin. Oh, by the way, also in their world, they would even say there is no evil. What? We'll get to that in a second. Okay. But they say sin uh, is viewed as a, quote, outdated concept that is only a tool. Listen, only a tool used to shackle the minds and actions of people. And the only sin, they say, or evil is that of being unbalanced and out of harmony from oneself, others, Varied life forms and Mother Earth. Well, guess what? According to your definition of sin, which is not right, but whatever, I'll play with you. According to your definition of sin, you're, you're sinning because you're out of balance with me in my belief system and how you treat me. Because you're in animosity with me. Sinner. <laughs> right? I'm, I, that's your own definition. So you don't even live up to that. Okay, but let's continue on. They say again, uh, there's no sin or divine retribution to be saved from. Uh, you don't have to worry about hell. Uh, and so-called salvation uh, only has to do with a- attaining and maintaining harmony with all the above I just mentioned. Which, again, you're not doing because you won't accept my belief system and just whatever. But that's what they believe. Uh, Wiccans also then, when it comes to their ethics, okay, uh, they have almost all of them. Again, it's hard to codify because this brand, oh, we don't do that. But most of them is following what I had up here. That's called the Wiccan Read. Now, Read means advice. Okay, but basically, this is what we've seen several times before. Okay, this, they're saying, basically, and it harm none, do what you will. All right? And then they even put a stinger on themselves by saying they have to live that way because um, they say if they, they claim that they use all their occult abilities and we never harm anybody with them. Because of our wicked read, our ethics rule is you do what you want, just don't harm nobody. And they say the reason why we live by that code is because that any evil done to another person will come back upon the perpetrator threefold or more. Number one. Number two, they believe it's going to mess up their afterlife, which they believe in reincarnation, which the Bible does not teach. Hebrews 9.27 is to point a man to die once, then face judgment. You ain't coming back. You got one chance to get it right. Okay, uh, but they say that's going to mess up your karma. It's kind of a Hinduistic belief, and then somehow you're going to have to do it again. So that's what they say. See, see, we, we don't use our occult powers for evil because of this wicked read. Don't we? we don't, really? How many times have we been through this before? This is another area that they're hypocritical on because they do use their so-called occult powers to influence people, manipulate people, try to harm people. Uh, your own words, not mine. Hexes, curses, spells. What do you call that? How's that not harming anybody? Again, you're hypocritical. You don't even believe, you don't even live up to your belief system, which is not right in the first place, but you don't even follow through. Think about that, okay? Let me give you another example. We've already given several examples of, again, you say you don't harm anybody, but then you're praying against us, we're being told, 
uh, not praying against us, you're putting so-called hexes on us. Okay, so how's that not harming anybody? We saw uh, that in Britain, we saw that one lady uh, was uh, taught the people on the program the actual spell to get the lady's husband to do something that she wanted him to do. How's that not harming somebody? We, we saw more than once the witches here in the United States of America are praying against our president. How's that not harming anybody? But what we need to realize is as we saw in our history study, witchcraft is all over the world. Well, praying against politicians, witches are now using modern technology and they're networking with witches around the world. And it isn't just Trump who's getting prayed, or I keep saying praying, it isn't Trump who's getting hexed and putting spells upon. It's politicians around the world. The witches are not just around the world, they're trying to influence the governments and the nations around the world. Right? Let me give you another example of what's going on right now. În descântecul meu vor cădea la pat, dacă nu se vor ține de cuvânt, dea corupția la o parte din această țară. Amin. Mihaela Minka claims to be the most powerful witch in Europe. Back in 2016, she made a political prediction that Romanian politics was going to burn. Soon after, the country exploded into some of the biggest protests since the fall of communism, with up to half a million people taking to the streets. Today, Romania is still facing challenges, and governmental corruption is the biggest. It's such a problem, in fact, that the nation's witches and wizards have had enough and are uniting to cast the most powerful spell to punish corrupt politicians. Mihaela is preparing the next stage of the spell and needs to borrow two goats from the house of the village's oldest enchanters. She also needs the help of the local wizards. Am decis să am binecuvântarea și susținerea a trei vraci pentru a mă susține și a mă ajuta să fac acest ritual puternic mă va proteja. Avem aici inima de bou pleznit, creastă de mort, conurile care le-am primit de la un vraci din Statele Unite de la Los Angeles, caprele negri. Le vom folosi și le, vo, le va stăpâni vraci. Aceste două animale care prin ele vom invoca spiritul diavolului. Animalele să fie cu putere, să se adune toate spiritele. Voi fi susținută și de alți vraci din Statele Unite care va intra în curând în transmisie directă cu noi. Hello? Can you hear her? Ești pregătit pentru ritualul meu pentru a mă susține în descântecele noastre? But why are witches getting involved in politics? And do Romanian politicians believe in witchcraft? We sent Stefania Matake from Vice Romania to find out. Dar funcționează blestemul și asupra oamenilor care nu cred? Da, bineînțeles. Domnul ăștia. Don't worry. And it harm none. Do whatever you want. We don't use our powers to harm anybody. <laughs> How many examples do we have to give of this? Or their so-called read. You don't even follow your own ethics. 
if you even want to call it that. As one guy says, the witch's ethical code is inconsistent with their worldview. Turn to somebody and say, that's the understatement of the year. Okay. Uh, again, Wiccan read. The read means advice. Now, it comes in a couple different forms. Let me just give that to you in case you see them in print. And it harm none, do what thou wilt. And it harm none, do as thou wilt. That it harm none, do as thou wilt. Do what you will, so long as it harms none. Which, again, you violated every single one of those. Okay, uh, where does it come from? Well, it just happens to be similar to the phrase, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, which again appears in Aleister Crowley's work. As we saw before with many of these other witches in here, we're also connected with shocker. Okay, but do whatever you want. And again, what's the number one rule of Satanism? Aleister Crowley, do what you want the whole, it's all about self. And where'd that start? Way back here. So that's your whole mandate for living. Uh, whether witches realize or not, uh, these are very problematic ethical issues. Okay, let's begin to a- uh, analyze that. So if there's, you can make it up as you go, nobody has a right to tell you what to do, and, and yet you say you have a read that everybody should follow, who says we should follow that? What makes that read universal when you said there is no universal truth? Right? Stop and think about that. If there is no right religion or right way or truth for all, then why is this rule that we can read universal? And how do we know that witches are not just, listen, to use their own words, how do you know that witches are not just trying to impose their rule on us and shackle our minds and our actions with this ethical read that they say you have to live by? Right? And again, how do they work around this? Because you know, it's obviously it's hypocritical. Right? Your belief system, your, what, it's hypocritical. You don't even live by You don't live by your tolerance. You don't live by your wicked read because you do do rotten things. You know how they say it? Because, again, they believe there's no evil. And they believe that the destructive things that they do with their occult practices to hurt, harm, and influence other people against their will, in theory, they say, oh, destruction, oh, that's not evil. Let's examine that real quickly. Is evil only an illusion? To say that evil does not exist is to be blind to reality. Evil not only exists, hello, it's all around us. How could you sit there and say there is no such thing as evil? Uh, uh, From cruelty, corruption, calamity, flood, famine, disease, drought, hatred, war, suffering, misery, injustices, murder, on and on it goes. Evil is a fact of life. Why? In fact, when did it start? Right when you gave in to Satan's lie. I'll do whatever I want. That's where all this came from. People say, well, I got, what kind of earth is this? God didn't create this mess. This, this is the messed up version when people listen to Satan the first time in Genesis chapter 3. And that's what witches promote. That's their way of life. There is evil, okay? As one guy says, the existence of evil, even though they say there isn't such, is a, quote, debilitating blow to the witch's worldview. Turn to somebody and say, that's the understatement number two of the year in witchcraft. Now, they also believe in a couple other things as we move on. Uh, animism. Now, animism basically, we'll probably get into this more in some of our other studies, but that's basically the belief that everything has uh, a so-called life force. Right? You can, you can even get into a little bit of the Star Wars philosophy with this as we dealt with before in our Buddhism study. Uh, but it's got this force. And they, and they mean everything. Whether it's rocks, trees, bees, you, me, desert, streams, mountain, valley, ponds, oceans, garden, forest, fish, and fowl. Even chickens got this stuff. <laughs> or even amoeba. Even bacteria. So everything's got this so-called life force. Right? It's what they believe. That's called animism. It's animating everything. It's this life force. Okay, that's what they believe in. Now, is that true? 
No, quickly turn to Romans chapter 1. And if you ever wonder why the wrath of God is being poured out, it's because of uh, this kind of a mindset, right? Romans chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. We've been here so many times, should have it memorized by now. And, uh, but God tells you, right? You think that animism is, all, got the, all, everything's got this life force and animals and trees and and that's what you work. Anyway, so let's take a look there. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. How? Because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, i.e., designed. When you see design in something, it implies a designer with a capital D, God, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And why? Because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Okay, And so God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, and for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served what? Created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Okay, So that belief system doesn't hold water. And uh, that certainly, everything comes from God, not just some mystical life force. Now, that blows into their second pillar. It's not just everything has this life force, but they take it even a step further. The reason why they say it has this life force is because they promote what's called pantheism. Now, as we've seen before, pan, of course, means all. Theism, theos, means God. So now they believe the reason why everything's got this animism, life force, is because all is God. Really? So the trees and the fleas and the bees and you and me and everything's God. Well, that's what that means. Well, what do we just read in Romans 1? No. Everything came from God. Right? Not everything is God. Okay? And what you see should draw you to the knowledge that, wow, who designed all this? Oh, a designer. Not let's now worship it. And that was what's bringing the wrath of God was even in witchcraft. That's what you worship. You worship created things as if it were God. Instead of the one and only God. Okay, but that's what they believe. Uh, in fact, to the point where they believe that divinity is inseparable from nature and humanity. And they don't just teach that all of life is divine, i.e. God. But this is why that they typically will greet themselves, the fem- female and male members of Wicca, as, quote, thou, here's how they greet. Thou art goddess, thou art God. That's their greeting, typically, because of pantheism, okay? Now, what does that sound like? We dealt with that before. Remember the Hindu greeting that was even sneaking into churches? Namaste? And namaste, you remember what namaste meant? I bow to the God in you. Don't say that. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the same kind of a mindset that they have. Now, so obviously, uh, that just holds a lot of water, that all is God. No, there's only one God. Right? I don't have time to read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8, 13 through 15, but I will read this, Deuteronomy 4, 35. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him, there is no other. Deuteronomy 4, 39. Acknowledge and take heart to this day that the Lord is God in heaven and on earth below. There is no other. 1 Kings 8, 60. So that all people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Isaiah 44, 8. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. And Isaiah 45, 
5, 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. Right? And guess what? You can live that way all you want. I don't highly recommend it. I don't recommend it at all. Because when you take your last breath here, you're going to find out you weren't a God. The tree wasn't a God. You're standing before the one and only God. And you had a chance to get right with him freely by his grace through Jesus Christ. And you said no. But it's too late. The third one is, then they take that, not just all of life is animism, and it's got this life force, and that life force comes because everything is God. Then they'll literally, which is kind of illogical, because if everything is God, then why do you break it down individually into polytheism, and then you worship, I mean, if you thought you were God, and you greet yourself as goddess and God, why would you worship something outside of yourself? Why don't you worship people? But that's not what they do. They believe in poly. Now, poly, of course, means what? Many, okay? Like, you know, as we, how many times have we done this one? Poly, okay, uh, it, like politics. Poly means what? Many, ticks or what? Blood-sucking creatures. It explains a lot, right? Okay, as we've seen, so I got to kick that every time I can, okay? Uh, but anyway, uh, but that's what they believe. So again, if you, everything's God, then, and they have this life force, then what, but that's what they do. They break it down. And they will worship just about anything, any gods, multitude of gods and goddesses uh, simultaneously. They believe there's a whole ton of them, okay? That's why they feel they can merge with other religions that worship a multitude of gods and goddesses because that's what they believe there's polytheism okay but with that said and just again it's hard to codify but mainly witchcraft wicca mainly worships two so it's like it's like a dual theism okay now again you, you, the moment you say that you might have a covenant say oh no we worship a bunch more than that but typically they'll worship this too mother goddess and the male horned god right now they say oh the horned god that's satan no not necessarily now i will say this as we've already seen several times in our study in fact if you're paying attention to that video with those witches what were they saying they're invoking the spirit of the devil right as we saw back here with uh sanders in his documentary okay he said he was worshiping who lucifer because again, which oh we don't we have nothing to do with Satan and we're not Satan. Well, I'll give you you're not Satanism, but you're working with and in some elements you are openly saying you're invoking the devil and Lucifer. Oh, and by the way, who's the father of all lies, including the lie of witchcraft? Satan. So you can't escape that, right? But typically they'll say, oh, you you Christians are dumb dums. Every time you see this horn god, you say that's Satan. Right? So there is an element of truth. Now, that's not necessarily Satan, but again, they work with Satan and all that other stuff anyway. Okay, but let, let's break down what is. I'm going to let the witches speak for you. They're going to explain their worship of these two entities. Okay, it's all demonic, whatever, but this is coming from them. Watch this. Wiccans evoke deities from a variety of polytheistic religious traditions. The two most common deities are the horned god and the mother goddess who are worshipped in their balance to one another. Neither is held greater than the other, as both aspects are needed for the continuation of life. The horned god is also called the green man, or the sun god, as each Wiccan practitioner relates to the masculine energy in a different way. The mother goddess is a three-part fertility goddess, consisting of the maiden, the mother, and the crone. The god and goddess can manifest themselves in many sacred forms. 
In Gardnerian circles, gods and goddesses are not specifically named, but rather referred to as the Lord or Lady or Mother Goddess and Horned God. However, many Wiccans forego the generic terms and align their rituals or spellwork with specific deities from various pantheons. In either case, connecting with the feminine and masculine through the representation of a deity is an essential component in Wiccan rituals, as it honours each aspect of the goddess and god's nature through the cycles of the seasons. Historically, gods with horns generally related to the primal nature of man. The horned god represents the masculine portion of nature, the wild beast that is unencumbered by society's regulations. Residing in the forest just outside of the realm of human civilization, the horned god lived by his instincts in a fully natural state of being. He relied solely on the forest and his own skills to provide food and shelter. Being in tune with the forest meant understanding the duality of the hunt. He is both the hunter or life-taker and the hunted or life-giver, which completes his cycle within the cycles of nature. The Wiccan god is also referred to as the Green Man. The Green Man is a variation on the horned god, as he too lives in the forest and dwells with the animals. He is the quintessential spirit of vegetation. He is the ruler of the green flora and the growing fauna. He is the field, the forest, and the animals all bound together in harmony. The Green Man is a god who dies and is reborn through the turning of the wheel of the year. At harvest, he dies as the crop is gathered in the field. He is buried again as the seed. He lives again as the new shoot of life that springs forth from the field. He grows and matures through the earth, which is the womb of the great goddess. And the cycle continues as the harvest comes again. Wicca's primary emphasis is on feminine energy and power. This aspect is one of the most distinctive features in a predominantly patriarchal world. There are three aspects of the goddess which relate to the phases of the moon. The goddess is believed to be so ancient that humans cannot remember all of the names she has been given. Throughout time she has lived as both the one and the many, taking on multiple forms for the people who have worshipped her. In all her forms, she is the bringer of life. While the specific nature of the goddess can be debated, Wiccans do agree that she is comprised of three parts, the maiden, the mother and the crone. The maiden encompasses the stage in life where women are full of promise, new beginning and youthfulness abound, enchantment about life, innocence and beauty surround the maiden. She learns to become independent and she has unlimited possibilities before her. The maiden is most often worshipped during the spring in fertility rituals. The mother is an experienced lover who has gained maturity through her understanding of the world. She is often depicted as a parent, but does not have to have given birth. She represents selflessly giving to others, nurturing energy and fierce protectiveness of her creations. The mother is associated with the domestic aspects of women through children, family and the home. She is also strongly connected to sexuality and the moon. As the moon grows full, so does the mother with child. The mother is most often worshipped in the summer, as is the time of her pregnancy, through the winter when she gives birth. 
It is through this process of birth, literally and figuratively, that new life and ideas come forth into the world. As the goddess moves into old age, she becomes the crone. The crone has gained an immense amount of knowledge from a lifetime of learning. She has transformed and become strong through many trials and tribulations in life. The crone is a respected elder who is able to guide others through transitions in their lives and provide wisdom and understanding to those who come after her. She represents the darker side of womanhood, the fears and destruction of life. But she is not referred as sinister, for the crone is the last phase before the cycle begins again. The ever-turning cycle of birth, maturity and death. The experience with a god and or goddess is a deeply personal endeavour. It is subjective and requires further investigation and exploration to find the path that fits for your own personal practice. In other words, make it up as you go. Here's some generalities. Want to buy into it? Sure, whatever. Add to it, tweak it, whatever. It's relativism. Okay, it's basically what's going on. Now, basically what we're talking about, most of them, again, this is their big two the two that they would consider a god and goddess, the male horn god. Now, the mother goddess has got a bunch of different names that they in, supposedly invoke, which is all demonic, uh, including, watch this, Aphrodite, Artemis, Astaroth, Astarte, where we get Easter. Did you notice the bunny and... Okay. Uh, Athene, Bridget, Ceres, uh, Seredwin, Sybil, Diana, Demeter, Frigga, Gaia, Hecate, Isis, Kali. Notice they're the female deities from around the world, as we saw, right? And uh, Lilith, Luna, Persephone, and Venus, and more. But you're saying, well, Astarte, Asher, what's that? Well, have you ever read this in your Old Testament about the Asherah poles? That's what this was. Nothing new about Wicca. This, this female, male worship, fertility worship for the cycle of nature to keep the harvest going, this is what was going on in the Old Testament. And this is what Israel was buying into by the Canaanites and the religions around them that they got spanked and eventually got uh, lost their nation over, right? But the Asherah pole stood near Canaanite religious locations to honor the pagan goddess Asherah, also known as Astarte. The same thing that the Wiccans worship today as one of the two deities. In the Bible, Asherah poles were first mentioned in Exodus 34. Uh, God had just remade the Ten Commandments tablets. Moses had requested God to graciously forgive the Israelites for worshiping the golden calf, right? Came down, smashed it, so God did another one. He came down. Verse 10 begins the covenant that God made, and he says if the Israelites obey him, he's going to drive out these uh, tribes in Canaan, uh, but they must cut down the Asherah poles, this goddess worship, Okay. Uh, and that's in Deuteronomy 5 and Deuteronomy 12 repeats it. While in Deuteronomy 16, then not only says you got to cut them down, Deuteronomy 16 says, and the Israelites, don't you dare set up any wooden Asherah poles of their own, right? So they already got spanked by God because they worshiped the cow. They just got out of Egypt, which was already flooded with witchcraft. So they already go back, even in the wilderness, and they're back to witchcraft stuff, basically. Uh, Moses gets upset. He smashes the first Ten Commandments. God goes, anyway, and so he says, basically, okay, I'm going to get you into the lamb, okay, and you need to basically don't do this Asherah, don't do this female goddess worship. And yet, two books later... Judges 3, 7, the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't just forget the Lord their God. They served the Baals and the Asherah. So what's that? The same thing that's being promoted with Wicca that got Israel into sin and trouble and judgment with God. The female 
male worship, okay? And it's all about fertility, okay? The male horn god, again, many different names uh, today. Uh, Adonis uh, Amun-Ra, that's your Egyptian version. Apollo Baphomet, remember we see the pictures that are being put up in uh, our governments, state governments, buildings, city buildings. It's crazy. Uh, Serenus, uh, Dionysus, Eros, Faunus, Hades, Horus, Nuit, Lucifer. This is their words, not mine. Odin, Osiris, Pan, Thor, Woden. Notice that the Marvel stuff's coming in here. Things of that nature. But again, different witchcraft traditions. Uh, they, they, they'll maybe emphasize the female part a little bit more. Maybe they'll emphasize the male part a little bit more. Maybe they try to give them equal balance, if you will. Uh, but that's basically the big two. Now, before we continue on, very quickly, turn to Deuteronomy tw- uh, 12. Okay. And let's just deal with this aspect because basically um, I want to end on showing how this is actually even coming into the church, if you can believe that. that. Uh, but basically the beliefs that we've seen so far with Wicca is based on what? Do whatever you want to do, right? So is that a good way to live? Is that something that God's going to bless? I don't think so. And again, we're going back to the Old Testament, also around with these passages where Israel got in trouble when they did their own thing and it invited the judgment of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 8 says this. These are the decrees and laws you must be careful to follow in the land of the Lord that the Lord your God, the fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live in the land. Destroy completely all the what? The high places on the mountains, on the hills, and under every spreading tree where the nations you are disp- uh, dispossessing worship their gods. And again, a lot of this was the Asherah stuff. He says, get rid of that stuff. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, burn their what? Asherah poles in the fire. Uh, and cut down the idols of their gods and wipe their names from these places. You must worship the Lord your God. You must not worship the Lord their God in their way. You are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes, special gifts, and what you have vowed to give, your free will offerings and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall what? You do it God's way. What do you get? You shall rejoice in everything that you put your hand to. You're going to prosper. You'll be blessed. But, uh, and why? Because the Lord your God has blessed you. But literally, verse 8, you are not to do as we do here today, quote, everyone as he sees fit. Literally, in some other translations, it says, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. Now, what's that? That's not just relativism. That's not just the premise of witchcraft. It's basically how our society operates today. And according to God's word, is that going to lead to a fantastic life? No. Now, as we close, let me show you how amazingly, unfortunately, the church has been overtaken by this. You ever wonder why we're in such an apostasy today? It's because of this mindset has now crept into the church. We're making the same mistake as Israel did. We're doing whatever we want to do. And we're not following what God says, i.e. the Bible. It's what I want to be true. And I'm talking Christians, right? Let me share this with you. Survey reveals that many Christians, this is a recent survey, by the way, reveals that many Christians are deeply confused about biblical theology. Turn to somebody and say that's the understatement of the year three, right? Now, it shows this. Results show a confused collection of beliefs held by American Christians. Listen, especially evangelicals. This ain't your apostate church that we're talking about. These are supposed to be, if you will, the cream of the crop, the ones who at least have the best chances of being biblical, 
evangelicals. And here's the recent survey. High percentages of respondents revealed clearly heretical beliefs when they're asked about the nature of God and their belief and opinions on certain sins and the role of the Bible. Quote, 52% responded that most people are basically good. That's from evangelicals. If you think you're good enough to get to heaven on your own, you ain't going to heaven. And how do you get around Romans chapter 3? It says there is no one good, no, not one. Not even one. How do you get around that? Folks, that's, these are evangelicals, 52%. Half the church thinks that people are basically good. That's scary. What are you trusting in? Are you saved? 51% believe, listen to this, 51%, and this is evangelicals, not the apostate, believe that God accepts the worship of all religions. This is a recent survey. Now, it used to be 25. I've quoted that 25 number for years. It's doubled now. 51, 51% of so-called evangelicals believe that God accepts the worship of all religions. If you really believe that, you're not a Christian. Because there's an absolute truth in the Bible that says Jesus is the only way. We just quoted it. This is in the church. 59% of so-called evangelicals state that the Holy Spirit is a force, you know, like animism, and not a personal being. And the most shocking one is this. Surveys show that 62% of American Christians survey believe that, quote, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion and not objective truth. 62%. Then why do we even have the Bible? Think about that. This, isn't, this is the evangelical church. And, of course, it spills downhill. 52% of Christians identified abortion as a sin, which means 48% of evangelicals say abortion is perfectly fine. Not the apostate, so-called evangelicals. 41% of Christians interviewed believe that the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality does not apply today. It used to be 33%. That's going through the roof as well. That's, can I tell you why? You never touch it with a 10-foot bull. With a 10-foot pole. Sunday schools, preachers, nothing. And then you don't even read the Bible. But if you read the Bible and you come across it, what do you say? Well, I know that's what it says. But what I believe is that God's a God of love and he won't hurt. That's relativism. One guy says, how much of this heretical belief is a result of poor education in Christian theology? I.e., you don't get it from the pulpit or the churches. You've never been a disciple. And how much of it is an external cultural factor warping millions of Christians and what they believe across the country, i.e., moral relativism? I think it's both. And that's why we're going to such a big slide. Now, I'm going to finish this. So we're going to skip our prayer re- praise requests. I want to finish this out. Now, I, want to, I, get all, I get all that set. That's the evangelical church. The evangelical church is now half of the church right now is living like witchcraft. You tolerate everything. It's all whatever I want to believe, what God says you should not do what you in your own eye. That's the church. And then you got a big chunk of the church that's not only doing that, but they are all about experience and mysticism. And you wonder why now the status of the church is where the church is finally now Merging full on with witchcraft. Anything that's crazy? Let me give you two examples. And both of them come from Bethel. Okay? They're merging with full on witchcraft. Now let me give you this first example. And they are, watch how they quote, fix racism. (laughs) 
Don't preach the Bible. Don't witness to somebody. Nobody. Don't have a Bible study. Do this. Watch this. Well, let's see what's on YouTube today. Apostles have authority to make the decrees and declaration. And um, so why don't you share your vision, then we'll do the apostolic decree. Okay. So I am an artist. Is she dressed like a wizard? One of the movies that has really touched my heart is Lord of the Rings. She's for real dressed like a wizard. If you know Lord of the Rings, everybody understands what's in my hand. What is happening? Just opening his arms. Opening his arms. Is this lady drunk? And I heard myself speak why he asked me to do that. Normally, it would only be scriptures. Am I drunk? But the Lord told me I needed to repent for the participation I had with the racist spirit. Oh, I think the spirit's done left this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask us right now to all grab a hold of this in our hand. Please don't do what I think you're about to do. We are going to lift the staff and we'll command the spirit not only to leave. Rebecca, did you put LSD in my coffee again? No more. No more. No more. Well, two things. I think it's important for you to share the vision of Gandalf putting the stake down because that. that, Oh, okay. Oh, I've been to PTA meetings that were less awkward than that. We decree and declare that racism will end. It's over in the ecclesia from this night forward. Oh, Gandalf. Step it up and bang it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise over. Gandalf, what you doing? Congratulations, guys. You fixed it. All those racist groups are just running through their lives. They heard about your little staff deal, and they're just, they just said, you know what, we're done. <laughs> How is that any different than the first video we watched when the witches and the sorcerers were gathering around in their ritual garb and behavior and their ritual equipment to affect a change out there that's the same. That's how you fix racism? You use wizardry? And God supposedly gave you a vision from a movie that's full of sorcery and witchcraft? And that's how you fix racism? How could these people move into that? Because remember what she said? Normally it's scripture, but my experience was. And then it's, it's what I feel. It's what I feel is right. And then it's merging. Now, even more apparently, the same entity, Bethel, has been using for a while now what's called Christian tarot cards to try to reach out to people, of course. You know, so it makes it okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's, they call them destiny cards. And they set up booths to be made purposely to look like psychic booths. And they call it a reading. And the program they call it is Christ Alignment. Uh, and it's supposed to help empower your destiny rather than control it. You know, because nobody can tell you what to do, not even God. And they use these to do a reading about relations, jobs, and issues to help people, quote, make better decisions in the future. 
How about get them to read the Bible? God will tell you what to do for a better life and better future. But no, we're going to come up with a Christian version of tarot cards. Watch this. Hi, I'm Ali. Right. What was your name? Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Um, welcome to Christ Alignment. So um, anyone that um, does a reading hears from the spirit realm, which exists outside of time and space. So we're hearing from the Christ spirit. Um, therefore, it's possible for us to hear about your past, your present, and your future. However, we don't like doing future predictions because it confines you to times, places, and events that you've got little control over or choice over. Um, it locks you into things. So here we're hearing from a higher realm that wants to empower your destiny and not control it. So does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Um, so it's our goal to empower you from this third heaven realm. Um, and what I have here are the destiny reading cards. And um, they're going to reveal to you the gifting that you've been born with. Um, the gifting affects your relationships and your jobs, um, and it will also address uh, issues in your life which will empower you to make better choices in the future. Now, um, have you come with a question or a problem that you'd like a resolution to today? Maybe. Yeah, well, the cards can address that problem as well. And then yeah. at the end of that, we'll go into an encounter where you can get the answer okay. for yourself. Sounds good. Okay, great. So yeah. um, okay. the way that it will work is that We'll get you to place the cards in order of um, most important up the top near me, mm. and then you put them down to the least important like that. So, right. yeah. Cool. So, we'll start with these ones. Yep. Don't share the gospel with the lost. Don't quote a Bible verse. Come up with the so called Christian tarot cards. This is what's going on today. This is what's been reduced to. Why? Because you say you follow the Bible. But that's just there for looks. It's all about your experience. It's all based on what you want to believe. In fact, what you want the, you think the Bible should believe according to your desires. You're doing what is right in your own eyes in the church. And you wonder why now they're going to that stage where they're full on merging with witchcraft. Because that's the premise of witchcraft. It's a perfect marrying, unfortunately, and it's infecting the church. This is why it's so attractive today. Many people do not desire absolute truths in our world today, right? In Wicca, a person is free to discover his or her own path. Uh, they get to invent a religious system that suits his or own, her desires. Again, what's that sound like? Genesis 3 is a way of lifestyle. And this is from Wicca. If you are just beginning a study of paganism, listen to how many times it's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. You may need to evaluate many different traditions or paths before finding the one that you are looking for. Your chosen path in the old religion must be one that is uniquely satisfied to you as an individual and one that lets you speak to the Lord and the Lady, the goddess and God worship, uh, in your own fashion. In other words, you are free to invent, devise, and develop a religion that suits your own personal wants and interests. Again, what's that? Don't listen to God. Don't follow the Bible, which records what God says. Do it Satan's way. Rebel against God. You can be God. You can decide what's right and wrong. That's not only, again, the premise of witchcraft. It's being promoted in the church today. They go on to say this. Uh, again, in Wicca, you may attempt to manipulate your surroundings and other individuals through spells and incantations. And so the combination of developing a religion that suits your own personal preferences and influencing others to do what you want them to do is very appealing to our selfish, self-centered society today, isn't it? You wonder why it's so popular, right? 
You'll get an experience from the charismatic extreme that's merging with witchcraft. You'll also get an experience with Wicca, uh, but it's not from God. Now, because it's not from God, okay, it's not going to be blessed by God, what's it going to lead to? It's going to lead to some serious major bondage, and it is. And so the only way that these people going down this route are going to get let out is when you and I don't say, let's do a vision from the staff of Gandalf ritual on stage and make it sound Christianese. Let's, let's witness to him by flipping out tarot cards. And it's when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and instantly the power of the gospel is he can save anybody like this girl. We'll close in prayer after this. My brother and sister had to go and take all the guns from the house and um, hide them and, and um, just to keep me safe because I was at a really um, serious stage. I planned on how I was going to do it. Brooke Gardner was only 11 when persistent feelings of hopelessness put her on the verge of suicide. Her parents took her to a psychiatrist who prescribed medication, but it did little to alleviate her despair. Really just numbed me. It made me, I didn't have any thoughts or really feelings anymore. Um, kind of just walked around like a zombie. After a year, she searched for other ways to cope with her depression. I had started um, looking online about spells and about uh, Wicca and went and bought some spell books. I started doing these spells in my room. I was burning lots of sage and, and um, you know, I thought they were positive spells and they were going to help my depression. I thought that by controlling the environment that I could control my feelings. Performing the spells also gave her a sense of power. I just wanted to connect to something more powerful. Um, you want to be bigger and um, better than a lot of the people around you. You know, everyone better stay away from me or you're going to get it. But one night, Brooke discovered the magic she thought was helping her and invited an unexpected presence into her life. I was sleeping and beside me was this like dark figure and it was like touching the bed and um, like right beside me, I don't know if it, what it was doing or why it, it like had one of its hands on me. And I woke up and I like still felt something with its hand on me. At that moment, I couldn't even scream or make a noise. I was so scared that whatever this was was still in the room. You know, after a while, it went away. Despite her fear, Brooke continued practicing witchcraft, and her condition only got worse. I didn't feel more powerful. Um, actually, really more so, I felt powerless, and I felt like a failure. It didn't make me feel any better than what I was just got me deeper and deeper into depression. Brooke lived with a debilitating depression for three years, going on and off various medications. But what remained was her need to have meaning and control in her life. And while she kept casting spells, she also started reading her father's dusty King James Bible, hoping she might find some answers there. I read in the book of Leviticus how God's not pleased with people who practice witchcraft and practice that kind of thing. So that's what really gripped me, uh, really believing all my life that it was okay to do those things. So after that, I took all my books, everything that I had that had to do with it, and I threw them all in the trash and just turned away from, from all of those things. Um, asked Christ to, to come into my life. It just kind of opened my eyes to um, this whole other place of of what I really desired and wanted inside. And it was something I'd never experienced in my life. It was, for once in my life, 
all the sin that I had in my heart, all the stuff that I've ever done was forgiven. It was just a complete, complete change. I would look at a flower and be like, wow, like I can't believe God created this flower. Um, just, I felt a complete release and just a huge weight taken off of me. And I knew that I was right with God. She found a church and started attending. Soon, her family started going with her and one by one gave their lives to Christ. That was just an amazing, amazing experience to see your parents for the first time. Just have a joy um, that I've never seen before, you know, in them. And pretty much everybody in my family has received Christ and is serving Him today. And how did that happen? Ha-ha! Oh, no, no. It was that Lord of the Rings, Gandalf's staff pounding on the stage. That's what provided the breakthrough. That's what stopped all this, and people were free at that moment. you got to be kidding me. No, no. What we did is we went out there, and we were flipping through Christian tarot cards, and she came across the... She got saved. No, no, we didn't tell her anything. We said, hey, whatever you believe is true to you. <laughs> whatever is true to me, I have to tolerate whatever you believe, and you just make it up as you go. That's what set her free. What was it? God's word convicted her of her sin, including the sin of witchcraft, step one. And then she heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what got her out of bondage. That's what we need to focus on today. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? 
Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us, this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay you may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. 
Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.